Welcome to this message from Journey Church. Our hope is that you'd encounter God and His purpose for your journey. Be sure to visit us online at www.journeykc.com. Robert Morris, if you don't know who Robert Morris is, he pastors Gateway Church out of Dallas, Texas. And how many of you guys have been praying for Dallas this week? Anybody been praying for Dallas with all that's going on? They've been down there leading the charge uh, spiritually down there. And so, uh, but he, this is part of a simulcast that uh, we've been a part of with several other churches that have done this and gone through this. And we're in week four. And he's talked about some pretty difficult topics. He talked about tithing. He talked about last week, first fruits. If you've missed any of the weeks, we have it all online and you can get caught up. Uh, this week is going to be an interesting one. He's going to be talking about the spirit of mammon. So how many of you guys already, your curiosity has peaked already? We're like, what is this? All right. So Robert Morris is not in the house, but he's here via video. So let's give it up to him as if he was here. Welcome to the video. Welcome, Robert Morris. Give it up for Robert Morris. Hey, everyone. How are you? Good to see you. We are in a series uh, called The Blessed Life. And I do want to say welcome to all the churches that are joining us, and I want you to turn to Luke chapter 16. And that's the only passage I'm going to ask you to turn or click to, um, but just however you do it, just go to Luke chapter 16, and uh, we're going to talk this weekend about breaking the spirit of mammon. Breaking the spirit of mammon. M-A-M-M-O-N. It's a word that's in the Bible only four times. Uh, Jesus, as we know, only used it three times. One of the times it's in the Bible, it's a repeat. It's in Matthew and Luke, but it's the same sermon. So we're going to look at it in Luke so that we'll see all the times that we know of that Jesus used this word, all right? Luke chapter 16, look at verse 9. Luke 16, verse 9. This is Jesus speaking. And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon. That's the first time we see the word. That when you fail, they, I just want you to remember the word they, not it, they, so it's talking about the friends, may receive you into an everlasting home. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you've not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, it's the second time we've seen it, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you've not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? And then verse 13 is a repeat of the verse in Matthew 6, no servant. No, I, no servant, not one, no person, no person. This is very important to understand this. Uh, Matthew said this way, no one, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And that's the third time we see it. And again, that's a repeat from a verse in Matthew 6. It's from the same sermon. You cannot serve God and mammon. Okay, this is the only phrase like this in the Bible that where Jesus contrasts serving God with something 
as, as, as uh, uh, clearly as he does. You cannot serve. You cannot do it. No one can do this. You cannot serve God and mammon. Okay, since he said that, we need to know what mammon is. So I have three points for you today. Here's point number one. They're actually all three questions. What is mammon? What is mammon? Most people would immediately say money, but, but the answer is so much deeper than that. Uh, mammon is an Aramaic word, which means riches, uh, but it comes from the Syrian God of riches. I don't believe Jesus was simply for, referring to riches. I think he was referring to a false God that they knew. The Syrians had a God called Mammon, and it was the God of riches. Now, let me tell you where it came from. It actually came from Babylon. A lot of people don't know where Babylon came from. If you just look at the very first part of it, Babel. Babylon came from the Tower of Babel. That's where Babylon came from. And if you ever want to know what the word Babylon means, just say it a little differently and a little slower, Babylon. You ever know anybody just babble? Okay, never mind. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't nudge anyone or look at someone right now, you know. But babble means, actually means confusion. You know, someone just talking, you don't ever, you, don't, you can't follow them. You don't know what they're talking about. Babble, the word babble means confusion. When you add the suffix on, on it, it means sown uh, are planted. So the word Babylon means sown in confusion. It started in confusion. The Tower of Babylon, the Tower of Babel, was the, a system that they believed that they didn't need God. They could get to heaven on their own, their own energy, their own work could get them high enough to get to heaven. That is what the spirit of mammon is, that we don't need God if we have riches and money. It is a spirit that contrasts itself with the spirit of God. It is a, an arrogant, prideful spirit that tries to replace God. When you think about this, it's, Jesus said you, you can't serve God and mammon. In other words, mammon is looking for servants. Mammon wants to rule in your life. Mammon wants you to look to it instead of God. And here's the problem. Many of us actually grew up looking to mammon and we didn't even know it. And, and Jesus makes this statement. You can't serve both. And he, he says, you will be loyal to one and despise the other. Now, I want you to think about this. There's a message today that that's we, we call the prosperity message. It's basically give and you'll get, give and you'll get, and, and you know, God wants to to bless everyone with lots of money and a Mercedes and a Rolex. And uh, the problem with that message is that it actually works selfishness and greed into your life instead of out of your life. And the problem with that is it's a mammon message. And here's the problem. You become loyal to that. Now, here's what happens. When people buy into the prosperity message, what happens then is that when something breaks or something goes wrong in their life financially, they despise God. They get mad at God. And here's the reason they get mad at God or despise God, because they're loyal to mammon. Jesus said if you're loyal to mammon, you'll despise God. Mammon wants to take God's place. Mammon actually promises us everything that only God can give us. You think about it. Mammon promises us identity, 
security, significance, uh, happiness, joy, all these things only God can give. Listen, only God can give peace, love, and joy. Only God. Mammon can't. Mammon can never deliver on its promise. Mammon wants to rule. You can't serve God and mammon. I'll tell you something that might shock you about mammon. Mammon is the spirit of antichrist. And I'll prove it to you by a very simple verse that all of you know, but it's shocking how many people never put this together. The spirit of antichrist does not rule through the threat of nuclear war. The spirit of antichrist rules through the threat of not being able to buy and sell. That's mammon. If you don't bow to me, if you don't take the mark of the beast, you won't be able to provide for your family. See, it's a contrast. All through, all, all, all through our lives, mammon is trying to get you to bow to mammon, serve mammon, worship mammon, and Jesus is saying, no, God is the only one that can provide everything you need. God is the only one that can provide identity and security and peace and happiness and joy and love. Only God can. But mammon says he can. Mammon will say, you know, if you had more money, people will listen to you. Significance. If you had more money, if you had the right credit cards, if you had the right clothes, if you had the right car, if you had the right house, if you had more money, you'd be happier. If you had more money, um, you, 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 you'd have a better marriage. If you had more money, here, here's the big lie. If you had more money, you could help more people. Listen to me very carefully. Money doesn't help people. God helps people. But notice the contrast. See the contrast? Money, okay. Look, look, here, Jesus never told anyone that he needed more money. Never did a leper, never did a lame man, never did a blind man say, have mercy on me, son of David, and Jesus turned around and say, oh, you just need more money. Not once. And I'll tell you again how it contrasts. Just, just to show you how we've all been influenced by the spirit of mammon. We've all had this thinking at some point or another. I either need God to come through or I need someone to give me some money. And if someone would give me some money, I'm okay, God. My problem's been solved. I don't, I don't need you because I got money. Are, are, are you following me? I can remember one time my, um, I borrowed my dad's boat uh, when, we were, when our family was younger. We have a boat now, but when our family was younger, uh, my dad had a boat, never used it. I think he kept it just for us, you know, for the kids to use. And I'm grateful for that. But he got a brand new boat. I borrowed it. We're on vacation. Something started beeping. Uh, the beeping bothered me, so I got up under the dash and pulled the wire out. <clears throat> this is something you do when you're young and stupid. It was trying to tell me something. It was trying to tell me that it was low on oil. But I kept driving, and we burned the motor up. Brand new motor. $4,000. I said to my dad, Dad, um, I, I'm, I'm, this is my responsibility, 
and I'm going to take care of this. I, I will figure out a way to take care of this. And I said, this is my problem. I'll take care of it. And you know what my dad said to me? Son, you've never had a problem. I will never forget this conversation as long as I live. I said, what do you mean? He said, son, if money can fix it, it's not a problem. And if money can't fix it, God can. He was telling me right then, it's, money's not the answer to your problems. Son, God is always the answer to your problems. So that's mammon. Mammon is this spirit that tries to influence us. Here's question number two. Is money evil? Is money evil? Because Jesus said unrighteous mammon. Well, what he's talking about is a spirit. It's a spirit. I, let me just say again, mammon is a spirit. <laughs> uh, if, if mammon's not a spirit, how come it can talk? Because you, 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 try, you start to give an offering, and I'll bet you'll hear voices. <laughs> Mammon is a spirit that rests on money. I don't know if you ever thought about it. Can I tell you this? All money has a spirit on it. It either has the spirit of God on it, or it has the spirit of mammon on it. All the money in your account right now either has God's spirit on it or the spirit of mammon. And the way you get God's spirit on it, according to Scripture, is you give the first 10% to the house of God, and God redeems the rest out from under the spirit of this world, which is the spirit of mammon. Why would you want the spirit of mammon on, on your money? So money money's not evil. Money's neutral. You can do good with money. You can do bad with money. People say, well, but the Bible says that money is the root of all evil. It's not what it says. Here's what it says, 1 Timothy 6.10, for the love of money. The love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, in other words, they got under the spirit of mammon, they've erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Here, here's what I think he's saying. Loving and serving mammon is the root of all evil. Jesus said you can't serve God and mammon. Loving and serving mammon is the root of all evil. Now, look, look at this verse because it's, it's strange the way it reads, and a lot of us don't understand it. Verse 9 says, and I say to you, this is Jesus talking, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. Okay, I have to admit to you, when I first read that as a new believer, I totally misunderstood. It's, you know, I'm thinking of unrighteous mammon as just money, not, not a God or a spirit of greed. And, and I, so it said, make friends with money. That's what I thought it meant. So I thought it meant, you know, do uh, favors for other people, and then when you're in trouble, they'll, they'll do something for you. You know, that's what I thought. That's not at all what he's saying. He's saying, take this unrighteous mammon and redeem it by giving the first to the house of God and use this, use the money that Satan uses for evil. You use it for good and you use it to build the kingdom of God and people will get saved. They will become your friends and brothers and sisters in Christ. And it says, when you fail, this word fail means die, means when you die when you expire physically. Listen, and when you die, they, these people who've come to Christ because you gave to the kingdom, listen, will welcome you into your eternal home. 
That's what he's saying. In other words, there are going to be people in heaven that welcome me that say, I'm here because you gave. I know that a missionary came and brought the gospel to us, but I found out, because when heaven said, we're going to know things, I found out there were 47 people that supported that missionary, and you're one of the 47, and if you hadn't supported that missionary, I wouldn't be in the kingdom today. That, that's what he's talking about. See, God is the only one who can take unrighteous mammon and turn it into souls. True riches. That's what true riches are. Um, when I first got saved, um, if you remember, Debbie and I were married before I got saved. And um, when I got saved, I wanted to witness, but I just, just, just couldn't quite do it. And, and was shy, if you can believe that. <laughs> and um, so uh, I got over it, but I, got, I was shy. And uh, so I remember when I found tracks. Now, I don't know how many of you remember tracks. How many of you remember tracks? Tracks were like little books that shared the gospel story. And I thought, see, I came out of drugs, so I thought, this is cool, because tracks used to be when the policeman said, okay, roll your sleeve up. And, <laughs> and I thought, wow, I don't know who came with the name of tracks. Must have been an ex-addict, but I, that's great. That's great. Going to share the gospel through tracks, you know. So, so anyway, so I would get these tracks, and I'd leave them on tables when we would eat. You know, I'd leave the tip inside. But nobody ever said anything. And so I remember thinking to myself, I'm, I'm just not leaving a big enough tip. And so I've talked to Debbie about it. We prayed about it. We saved up. We did not have enough to do this. We left a $50 bill in a track one time. Our meal might have been $10, you know, and a $50 tip with the track. We go back to that restaurant a few weeks later, and this uh, lady that waited on us came up. She said, I've been waiting to talk to you. I read that little book, and I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And she said, and I called my husband and read it to him over the phone, and he gave his life to Jesus Christ. And I got so excited, but I remember her, her wording struck me kind of oddly. I said, what do you mean you called your husband? I mean, was he at work or was he at home? And she put her head down and she said, he's in prison. Can I tell you something? I'm going to meet that guy one day. And he's going to say thank you for the $50 tip. Because I got saved because of that. By the way, a few years later, he got out of prison, and Debbie and I had the honor of, of seeing him and his wife get baptized, <laughs> simply because of that. See, what I'm trying to tell you, I'm trying to tell you is that God can actually take our money and turn it into souls. It is amazing. You can give to the church, and God can turn it into souls. It's phenomenal. So money is not evil. And here's the third thing, question, what should I do with my money? What should I do with money? What should I do with money? Uh, well, let me just give you an answer is be a good steward with what you have. Just be a good steward with what you have. Now, here's what some of you might be thinking. Uh, Pastor, I have too little of this unrighteous mammon to be concerned with this message. <laughs> if I had more then I would probably be taking notes and listening very intently, but this just isn't, isn't really helping me, okay? Now, listen to me lovingly. If that's your way of thinking, that I have too little to be concerned with this that Jesus taught. Listen, if that's your way of thinking, you never will have any more. 
uh, verse 10 says, he who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Please hear me. If you have a little and you don't tithe, you'll never have much. What God does is we all start out with a little and he sees if he, if he can trust us. And if he can trust us, he gives us more and he gives us more and he gives us more until we get to the level where we can be a blessing to our family and be a blessing to others, whatever that amount would be. But if, 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 if you're not faithful with a little, you're never gonna have much. Uh, verse 12 says, and if you've not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? Now, there are a lot of applications for this, but I just wanna give you one application, possible application. Remember, we've talked for a couple of weeks now about the tithe, and I know God owns it all, but according to Scripture, He's reserved the tithe. He said, it is mine. It belongs to me. I've set it apart. Don't touch it. If you take it, it's stolen. It's consecrated. It's holy. It's set apart to the Lord. Okay. If you've not been faithful in what's another man, who will give you what is your own? Is it possible that one application of this verse could be, if you're not faithful with the 10%, who will give you the 90? If you're not faithful with the tithe, which belongs to the Lord, who's going to give you more? Please hear me. This is so important for us to understand. It's, it's like I said last weekend, God's testing us. A few weekends ago, two weeks ago, God's testing us to see what we're going to do with the first 10%. And then look at verse 11. This is the last scripture we're going to look at. It says, therefore, if you've not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? Okay. Well, what, what are true riches? Well, I can tell you, it's real simple. True riches are people. Uh, if you looked around this room, whatever room you're sitting in, whatever campus or church you're attending, listen to me. You look around this room, you're seeing the only thing that's going to last for eternity. Not the bodies, the souls. Souls, they're the only things going to last. When I was in college, we had this guy, he's kind of radical, you know, and, uh, uh, and he just had this little saying, it's going to burn We would drive by like a really nice house, and you know, we were in college, we'd say, look at that house. He'd say, it's going to burn. <laughs> well, he was right. I mean, it's all going to burn. Heaven and earth is going to be destroyed. I understand that. <laughs> but it really is true. It's all going to burn, except for souls. Souls last forever. Yeah. Let me say it another way. Heaven is being populated, and hell is being plundered by our offerings. That's why it's so important for me to give and why I see it as a spiritual act because when I give, people are getting saved. God is taking what was unrighteous, mammon. I've redeemed it by giving the first to him, and then as I give offerings, he's turning it into true riches. True riches are people. Um, when Ethan, my son-in-law, and Elaine, my daughter, started dating, uh, Ethan came to me and talked to me first, 
and I set up guidelines, you know, for him. And, uh, and because I wanted to see if he'd honor me. Here, here's the reason. If he wouldn't honor me, he wouldn't honor her. That's for some of the young men here. And so I, we t- I brought him in, we talked. I also showed him my gun collection, by the way. Uh, but, um, but I gave him some rules to follow and some things, you know, and then after a few months, and he did it. He did everything right. He did everything right. He did everything I told him to do. So after a few months, I gave him the, the, uh, the okay to start dating. And so one night there at seven, our young adult group, and they're standing around talking with a group of young adults afterwards, and they were talking about what it would be like to date the pastor's daughter, you know? And it's Ethan and Lane and seven or eight other young adults, you know? And uh, it was funny because uh, one of them said to Elaine, you know, your dad is so strict on tithing. I'll bet he checks the tithing records of the guys that want to date you. <laughs> and Elaine, Elaine said, he does. And when she said that, Ethan went, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. And Elaine said, what are you saying? You you told me you tithed. You told me you tithed. What are you you, you saying "Uh uh-oh for? And Ethan said, well, there was one time I was one day late. (laughs) And he explained to her, you know, uh, she said, what do you mean? He said, well, I, I would always do my tithe. I'd get paid on Friday. So at work, I would go online and do my tithe because I didn't have internet at home. Uh, because it costs so much, and he's a real good steward. And so, said, I didn't have internet at home, so I would always do it at work on Friday when I got paid. But one Friday, I didn't go to work. I didn't have to work that Friday. I had to work Saturday, so I did it on Saturday. But I've always regretted that my tithe wasn't, you know, every Friday, that it was one day late. And they got to laughing, and they said, oh, to Elaine, they said, your dad's not going to notice that. And Elaine said, yes, he will. <laughs> So they said, why don't you ask him? Why don't you ask him? So she came home that night. She said, hey, Dad, uh, did you check uh, Ethan's tithing record? I said, yeah, I sure did. (laughs) She said, well, was everything okay? I said, there was one time he was one day late. (laughs) And the next time we meet, I'm going to ask him about it. (laughs) Kevin, why, why wouldn't I check the tithing record? of a young man that wants to date my daughter. Let me say it another way. Why would I give my daughter to a thief? If he can't even handle money, I mean, he definitely can't handle Elaine because Elaine is a handful. (laughs) He's not gonna be able to handle her if he can't handle dollars and cents. But let me say it another way. She's my only daughter. She's priceless. Why would I give true riches to someone that can't handle unrighteous mammon? Can't even handle money. Well, let me say it another way. Why would the heavenly father who has all power to bless you. Why would he bless you when you don't steward what you already have? I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. All right, let's bow our heads and close our eyes this morning. Lord, I just pray that this message would just sink deep down into our hearts. 
Lord, I pray that there'd be something that would begin to take root, deal with those areas of our heart that are hidden places that we've kept off limits or that we didn't really want to deal with or we didn't really want to look at or we didn't really think counted. Lord, I pray that you'd de- deal deeply within us this morning as we wrestle with these thoughts. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let me just give you a couple, couple thoughts. You know, he's talking about being a good steward with money, which is very important. I mean, you guys know it applies to all areas of our life, right? I mean, how are we doing in the little things with our time? How are we doing with little things like even our relationships? How are we doing in the little areas even in our attention, like what we give our attention to? Because as he said, it's, it's, it starts with little things that God has to trust us with before we get entrusted with greater things. And, and I just want to ask you a question. If you've really been wrestling, if you've been with us for the past couple weeks, I know some of you guys are newer here today, but if you've been going on this journey with us the last couple weeks of these messages, and you find something on the inside of you that's really pushing back hard against this message of money, if you find something on the inside and you find yourself pushing back strong, let me ask you a question. Why do you think that is? Is it possible that there's some of that spirit that he's talking about that you've been wrestling with down deep that you haven't been able to break off of your life? If you find yourself pushing back on, on such a strong, uh, uh, such a, a little thing so strongly on money, is it possible that it has more of a hold on you than what you give it credit for? Here's what I know, that everything that needs to be broken or that can be broken off of your life was broken at the cross. It's not something that needs to be broken off. It was already broken at the cross. Now, for us who are believers, we can step into that and receive that 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 healing, or we can receive that freedom as we apply it by faith. But I'm telling you, it's already been done. Jesus doesn't need to go and die on the cross for the, you to have the spirit of mammon broken off of you. It's already been done. He's already paid the price. He's already broken the power of, of sin, the power of Satan off of your life. And so what I want to challenge you today, if you find yourself strongly pushing back and saying, well, th- no, there's, and you find yourself, I'm going to ask you to just give the Holy Spirit some space in your heart this morning and ask yourself, do I need to have something broken off my life? And if you do, if you find that that answer is yes, I believe as we get ready to come to communion, we come to the table, and we're reminded of the cross and the power of the cross, that something about that can be set free in you today. Amen? Would you guys stand up with me as we get ready to prepare our hearts for that? Stand up, but bow your, head, bow your heads, close your eyes for just a moment, because I just want to talk to you. Those of you guys who are wrestling with this topic, give the Holy Spirit some space right now. Maybe he, you need to have a conversation with God right now about what's going on in your heart. There's still others of you who you don't know if you've ever said yes to Jesus to follow him or not. You look at your life and say, I don't know. I mean, I've been in church before, but I can't know for sure whether I've really given my heart to Jesus Christ. I want to give you an opportunity today to surrender your heart to Jesus and to begin to follow him. Here's what I need you to know. Your sin, your lifestyle, your situation is not too big for the grace of God. There's no sin in this place that, is, that can outweigh the grace of God. And when Jesus laid down his life and he died on the cross, he paid the price for sin. Can I tell you that God is not mad at you? He's taken, the, he's taken care of sin. God is not mad at you. You say, well, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what my thought life has been. You don't know what I've committed. You don't know what I've done to other people. Listen, here's what I do know. I don't know your situation, but I know what the Bible says about God's grace. And I know, what, I know who Jesus is. And I know the love of God, and I know the grace of God. And there's no sin that's too big. 
Those of you guys who are believers, you need to hear that too. There's no situation that you're in right now that you should be turning your back on God or being holding your head in shame before God because the grace of God is big enough to set you free, to let you walk in victory. But if you're here in this place, you need to know that Jesus paid the price for your sin. He rose from the dead, and he offers you new life. And if you're in this place today and you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus, you cannot point to a point in your life where you said, at one point I was following the wrong way and I turned around and now I've been following Jesus. If you can't find that moment in your life, you need to find it today. You need to find it right now. You need to find it right here. Maybe you're in this place and you say, I just don't know where I stand before God. I don't know if I'm saved or not. I don't know if I died, if I would be some of those true riches that would, that would spend eternity with, with God in heaven. I don't know. Then today you can be sure before you walk out of this place. Maybe you're in a third category and you, you just, you, at one point you were walking with Jesus, but for whatever reason you look at your life today and you say, I'm just not following Jesus. I just don't know what's going on. Then today you can walk out of here recommitting your life. Setting, just setting things right once again. And I just need to know if we need to take a moment out of the service to pray for you. If you say, that's me, I need to start following Jesus. I need to say yes to Jesus. I need to let go of my, my old life and start a new life. If that's you, would you lift up your hand? And I, just lift up your hand and put it right back down. And I'm going to pray for you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. All over this building. Many hands in the first service as well. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to take just a moment, and I'm going to help you with these words. There's nothing magical about this prayer. There's nothing magical about these words. I'm just going to help you with it. But you've got to supply the faith. And the Bible says that as you make a decision by faith, as you respond to God's grace, and you respond in faith, that you come out of darkness into light. That you, your old life is gone and you become a brand new creation. That, you, that the old is in the past, and that this moment, it starts all brand new for you, and that's what's getting ready to happen. So would you guys all pray this with me? Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me, for taking away my sin, and for paying the price. I thank you that you rose from the dead, and that you give me new life, and I decide to follow you. I receive your grace by faith. I confess that you are Lord, that you're my Savior, that you're in charge of my life, and I will follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, we thank you so much for your grace. We thank you so much for your goodness. We thank you so much for these, these souls who, who have been set free out of darkness into light. And Lord, I pray from this point on that they would have this realization of who you are, and of who they are now that they're found in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give Jesus a big hand clap this morning? Amen. 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 We're going to get ready to come to the table. There's tables up here in front. There's tables behind you. And what this represents, for those of you guys who may not know, we've got the cup that represents the blood of Jesus that was spilled for us on the cross. We, we've got the, the, the cracker that represents the body that was broken. Jesus said, do this act in remembrance of me. So that when we come to the table and we receive communion, what we're doing is we're being reminded of what Jesus did on the cross. 
And those of you guys who just prayed that prayer this morning, it's going to have a special significance to you that Jesus spilled his blood, he, his body was broken, he rose from the dead so that you might be set free. Those of us who have been following Jesus for a long time, my prayer as, as we take this time out, that there would be something fresh and new come alive on the inside of you. And if you need something broken off of you, that as you come and you're reminded of the power of the cross, that something about that moment gets set free in you as you come by faith. Amen. We're going to come and receive these elements during this song. Take them back to your seat. Receive communion during this song as we worship. Let's go ahead and let's receive. Come close, listen to the story. About a love more faithful than the morning. The Father gave His only Son just to save us. The earth was shaking in the dark. All creation felt the Father's broken heart. The tears were filling heaven's eyes. The day that true love died, day that true love died, blood and water hit the ground. The walls we couldn't move came crashing down. We were free and made alive. The day that true love died, the day that true love died. So search your heart, you know you can't deny it. Come on and lose your life Just so you can find it The Father gave His only Son Just to save us The earth was shaking in the dark and all creation felt the Father's broken heart. The tears are filling heaven's eyes. The day that true love died, the day that true love died, blood and water hit the ground. The walls we couldn't move came crashing down. And we were free and made alive The day that you love died The day that you love died Now Jesus is alive Jesus is alive Jesus is alive Jesus is alive, Jesus is alive, whoa, he is alive, he rose again. When blood and 
Listen, those of you guys who prayed that prayer, we've got, I've got some books up here called What's Next. If you surrender your heart to Jesus today, I want you to come and, and get one of these at the end of the service. Take just a moment. Would all of you guys just take just a moment, maybe just lift up your hands and thank God for His grace. Think about your life without God's grace and then just think about how good God is to you, how He loves you even right where you are. Listen, those of you guys who have been believers, even in the situation you're at right now, see, sometimes even as believers, we get stuck and we get some wrong thinking lodged in and we think because of our situation that somehow God loves us less because of what we're going through right now. Listen, thank God for His grace. You you don't get saved by God's grace and then try to live without it. You get saved by God's grace and then you get to live in it. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. It's more powerful than any situation. It's more powerful than any sin. It's more powerful than anything we're going through right now. Come on, let's worship God one more time singing about God's grace. you guys are glad that you serve a God who's alive today. Amen. Is that good? All right. Those of you guys who are guests today, don't forget about your connect cards on your way out. We'll see you guys next week. You are dismissed. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. For more information about Journey Church or to browse our media library, visit us online at journeykc.com.